As we end our liturgical year this Sunday, preparing for Advent next weekend, I feel compelled to kind of wrap up our liturgical year by speaking about our Holy Father, Pope Francis. I feel compelled to speak about him because many of us have judged him without knowing him or without having even met him. Many believe Pope Francis is a liberal. Many have said that he's ruining the church. Others have said he's just not on. Boy, it's getting quiet. I'm not here today to defend Pope Francis. I can't defend Pope Francis, and I don't have to. I'm not here, I don't have time to lay out the history or the theology or the necessity of the papacy in our 2,000-year history. And, and, and I'm not here to try to persuade you to like him or to agree with what he's done or said or even what he's implied in his 10 years as pope. He's been pope already 10 years. I want to remind us all, as Roman Catholics, rather, what we believe. And I'm here to remind us all what we say when we pray the Nicene Creed. And we say and pray, I believe, in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. To believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church is to believe first in Jesus Christ who founded our church. And the church is holy not because any one of us here are holy. The church is holy because Jesus Christ, our founder, is holy. And to believe in him as we do is to believe what he said to St. Peter, our first pope. He said to Peter, you remember, upon you I will build my church. And the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Our Lord didn't say, I'm going to I'm going to begin my church, and good luck. The gates of the nether world will never prevail against it. And so to believe that which we do, we believe the Holy Spirit guides the Catholic Church. And we can say then that we believe the Holy Spirit chooses our popes through the work of the cardinals. So what does that mean? 
that means that, that, that a pope cannot ruin the church. It means that you and I, in our sinfulness, cannot ruin the church. Thank God. It means priests in scandals cannot ruin the church. There will come a time when the Roman Catholic Church will end. There will come a time when the church is no longer needed. That's at the end of time, as we heard in Scripture on this Christ the King Sunday. But until then, the church will be here. Because that's what our Lord promised. We don't know what it will look like. But it will always be here as God's instrument of salvation. I always used to tell my students, the fact that the Roman Catholic Church continues to exist is in itself a proof of the existence of God. We never would have made it out of the third century without the Holy Spirit. And even our enemies will admit, and they're somewhat dumbfounded as to why we are still here. It's because the gates of the netherworld will never prevail against our church. Maybe I'm compelled today by the recent news I've heard, and maybe you've heard, of the, of the relationship, the poor relationship between the American bishops and our Holy Father, Pope Francis, after their meeting last week in Baltimore. We heard some of that. Maybe I'm compelled uh, to speak about this because of the, the news of the recent removal of the bishop of Tyler, Texas, Bishop Strickland. Maybe you've heard that. That is a personnel decision our Pope made. And as in all personnel decisions, if we haven't worked with the person day in, day out, week in, week out, year in and year out, what do we know? What do we know? It's a decision our Holy Father made because he's a different pope. I remember, and you know, Pope St. John Paul II is close to my heart. You know that I, I found a way to bring his relic from Krakow into our rectory chapel. John Paul II literally lived down the street from me for five years when I, when I was in studies. His writings are very formative in my studies. His writings are still formative in, in what I say. I served Mass for him at the Midnight Mass at Christmas. I introduced my parents to him. Pope Benedict XVI, we often saw him walking around Rome as Cardinal Ratzinger. 
and he named me a Monsignor. And Pope Francis is just as dear to me because he's my Pope. We can't get this division we have. It's almost inherent now. This inherent division we have with American politics in us, we can't put that on the church. Because the selection of the Pope is guided by the Holy Spirit. For some reason, Pope Francis is Pope, like them all. And it's God's will, and I want to remind, this is another homily, but I, I want to remind all of you, you can never understand God's will in the present. It's God's will that he was elected. And the kingship of Jesus Christ, remember, was completely hidden for 33 years, which was God's will, that Jesus Christ would be king. So I'm going to leave you with a couple of stories, okay? I'm going long. I know that. I've been told that. I'll bank it in Advent at some point. These are a couple of good stories for you, maybe to wake you up. I know I'm long. I wrote this out during a new priest workshop conference because I knew what the conference would be. And although my homilies are a little different, and so I wanted to say the same thing, and so, pardon my notes, okay? A story about a woman in Florence and a story about a cardinal in Rome. I, I lived with a woman in Florence by the name of Signora Berti when I was studying Italian in Florence, Italy. Two of us students were assigned to her which is how we would learn the language. She had two prides in her life as we conversed at supper, and she smoked the entire time. She had pride in how she handled the Nazis, and she had pride in how she believed in the popes. When Hitler's German soldiers came into Florence, Italy, as she was going about her day-to-day -day work, they would often ask her for, for directions. She said they, they never knew where in the hell they were. And she said, with pride, I always pointed them in the opposite direction. But another thing she said, and I'll never forget, she said, I'm not religious, but I'm a papist. And then she said, I'll never forget it, she said, I know we always have the right pope when we need him, and I know that if the wrong one is elected, he won't live long. Maybe we can learn something from a, a woman who says she's not religious, doesn't go to Mass. That's most of the Italians, isn't it? 
We can learn something from a woman who is not religious but has faith in the Holy Spirit picking popes. Maybe we can be religious and papists. May she rest in peace. And Cardinal Edwin O'Brien is a friend of mine. He was our seminary rector. He did offer my first homily uh, at my first mass in Williston back in the day. He was there. Cardinal O'Brien was there in the conclave in March of 2013. When all the cardinals of the world assembled in the Sistine Chapel to select the next pope after the death of John Paul II, he was there. He can't convey any information about the details of the deliberations, but he did say this to me. He said, I felt the Holy Spirit as if mist rising in the Sistine Chapel. He said, I've never felt anything like that before. How powerful is that? The Holy Spirit as mist rising through the chapel. So, We've had, as Roman Catholics, 266 popes. If our Lord doesn't return, we're going to have 266 more. And they're all different. And they're for a reason. The Italians have this saying, and it goes like this. If you have a fat pope, you're going to get a skinny one. If you have a tall pope, you're going to get a short one. If you have a loud pope, you're going to get a quiet one. In other words, your next pope is going to be different. I told this to the new priests at the workshop to remind them also our next bishop will be different as we'll be getting a new bishop here in the diocese in a couple of years. And when the time comes, I can promise you, your next pastor will be different. These differences are God's will. Do you remember John the 23rd? John the 23rd who called the council? Pope John the 23rd when he was asked at a news conference how many people worked at the Vatican, he said, about half. But John the 23rd, John the 23rd also often said this. He said, at the end of the day, after all of my work, after all of my successes and disappointments, at the end of the day, I say, Lord, it's your church, and I'm going to bed. That's a good expression of believing in the church as we're about to profess one more time. Let's stand and profess what we believe.